0: All right. I'm Nick Verity, host of the Operations Mastery Podcast. I'm here with Hal Smith. He's the CEO of H Street Digital, a really impressive digital marketing agency. Not like most others. Sounds like you specialize in app installs, other types of businesses. Can you just give us a high-level overview of of the agency and, and what you provide?
1: Yeah, I uh, appreciate that. So we're purely focused on really what is like called customer acquisition. So that can be app installs, that can be uh, lead generation, that can also just be like e-commerce sales on a Shopify website, for example. And then uh, specifically within that, uh, we focus on the digital advertising platforms. So, you know, meta ads, TikTok, and then also Google ads, and then some other complimentary digital ad platforms, but mostly most of our spend kind of sits around there and, and we're just really focused on how do we hit a target at customer acquisition cost consistently and then scale spend behind that.
0: Amazing. And so your clients, are they all like B2C or what types?
1: Yeah, they're all B2C.
0: Okay, great. And it, you'd mentioned like a customer acquisition cost. Do you, as part of your process is to like define a number with the client and try to hit it or... How's, how's that work?
1: Yeah, great question. Uh, that's really the first step. So we sit down with the client. We try to we try to work with them to have kind of mutual uh, level of transparency and, and have as much transparency as possible. It's one of our values at H Street is that uh, you know, transparency is kind of a, a core element in how we communicate back to the client. But then also, too, we kind of respect that on the client side as well. So the first step is, uh, how is your business doing? What does it look like on a unit economics level? And we'll, we have uh, analysis that we put, we do on our end and we have like spreadsheets that will basically put the client's numbers through and really just try to understand like, are they actually going to be able to profitably run digital advertising campaigns? So we'll do that analysis. We're we'll bringing it to the client and we'll be like, Hey, what do you think? Um, then we'll have a conversation where the client kind of pulls additional reporting typically and they just kind of check it against what we uh, put together. Uh, Then we'll have a conversation around that. And then we'll finally ultimately come to a conclusion that, you know, this is your target customer acquisition cost. Then we'll try to then look at the different advertising platforms and the costs we generally see for each of them, as well as different conversion rates, and then try to find a specific like CAC, you know, customer acquisition cost for each of those ad platforms. We'll just put it in a document and be like, you know, this is our KPI now. And then that's how we, that's generally how the process works. And it really is, if we don't define that at the very beginning, uh, it's not going to be a successful partnership. So we really, really want to make sure that's the first step. And we really clearly define that with the client. So, mm-hmm.
0: so t- typically things like that agencies don't start with offering, they figure that out over time with churn and things like that. When, I know, I'm not sure when you started the agency, but how were you able to work through some of those early problems and you know, pivot or maneuver your agency to where you are now? Like, what do you think those turning points were?
1: So generally like the growth of the agency itself.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: So I think I had the classic entrepreneur's story in starting an agency. And I will reference the book, the e-myth because that very clearly outlined my, my journey, but I had worked at performance advertising agencies before, and I was an early employee at a couple of them and really, I believe, was a big part of the growth of those agencies. So I already understood from a very basic level of what it took to actually scale an agency. But I think the big misconception I had, and this is outlined in the e-myth, but I was very technically good at performance advertising, but I was not good at building a business. Mm -hmm. And that is a huge issue which i feel like a lot of my peers also deal with and so i started off it was just me and a laptop and i had a couple of clients uh that came through just my network and i was working across those clients as i kind of built leverage within my own processes i ended up hiring a couple of contractors to support me on it Uh, and then you know was able to spend more time on kind of sales brought in a couple more clients converted some of those contractors to full-time and then it it really just became a process of incrementally getting a new client, bringing in a couple of new contractors, and then really after about a year, I converted those contracts over to you know full time uh, help. And then you know I still have a decent amount of part time contractors that are working with me, but it, it's just kind of a it's like a stepping stone process. You get new business, you build out processes, you build efficiencies, uh, you have help to kind of support on that. Then you have uh, I would say some, you know, amount of slack in the business and you're like, okay, well, I could get more clients or, you know, and then once you get more clients, you kind of stretch, and, and you have to go get new people to help out with that or, you know, build out systems to make them more efficient. So.
0: Yeah. Classic agency growth story, but um, you made it to a step. Most people don't, which is outlined in the E-myth, which is like uh one man band, very good at what you do, but um, can't hire or delegate. Well, and it sounds like you, have you've crossed that chasm. So uh, I commend you for that.
1: Yeah. And I, I think the kind of key to that was experience I had with these other agencies that I worked for where I understood how to delegate well. And yeah. I think that's a really important thing. It's a skill that you have to learn. And I, I think generally people have this idea, Hey, I need, I'm overworked. I need help. I'll just hire somebody and they can take it over. And If you have that mentality, that person is going to create significantly more work for you. So you have to be extremely strategic in in really how that person can help you. And so, you know, I don't know if we can kind of go down this rabbit hole. I can kind of give a top level like uh, explanation of my process around this. But generally, I I sit down and I I time block uh, all my time for the past like three weeks into 30 minute increments. And then I really figure out like truly what am I working on? And then I analyze that work for that month in those different increments. And I I categorize them into different buckets. Uh, Generally, it's like what I can delegate and what I should probably keep myself. And then for the ones that I can delegate, I I then make it a smaller bucket where I look at it and say, hey, if I delegated this, could could it be like basically a checklist that someone could go and, and check the boxes for? And then two, I ask myself the question, if someone else is managing this, will this make a huge like detrimental impact to the business if they screw something up, right? Mm-hmm. And so I try to make it as, as small as possible. And then I really kind of question that, maybe add a couple more things to it. But then ultimately I come up with a job description and then I have extreme clarity in terms of, uh, you know, the actual like checklist that that person's going to need to complete on a, any given time period. Uh, and then I analyze it too for the expected outcomes of that role. And then I like what I would, actually became a big breakthrough for me was creating something called a job scorecard, which actually mm-hmm. comes from this book called uh, Scaling Up by Vern Harnish. Mm-hmm. And in that you you measure the outcomes uh, with the metric of like what you actually want that person to produce. And then you create instead of a job description, it's more of a job scorecard. And then you use that kind of to measure their performance on a weekly and monthly basis. And that really allows the person to have extreme clarity on what they need to achieve. And it also gives you, um, the ability to kind of delegate things without having to have uh, too much uh, you know, you don't have to go and check on that person as much. Right. So
0: super smart on the jobs uh, jobs card. I also read scaling up and everyone at my company has a, a number with the exception of some like VAs and contractors, but yeah, I felt felt especially remote. Like how can I track that you're not that you're actually getting things done and actually being effective. And it's, Finding the right metric, which is also a thing. It's like not just giving them any number, but something that's realistic for their role and proves they're actually doing a good job. So I, yeah. I, I like that that you do that. But
1: I think the other kind of interesting part of that is it separates the time from the work. Right? Yeah. And I think yeah. the challenge, especially in agencies, is people focus so much on time. Like there's time tracking. Um, okay. there's also arbitrary time restrictions. Like you have to show up at nine, you have to leave at six. Mm-hmm. And I personally hated that when I worked at agencies before, mm-hmm. because I just figured out how to do things much more efficiently. So really it's just the outcome is all I care about. How do I measure that? And how do I make sure people are hitting that number on a weekly basis? If they're hitting it, I don't really care how they're spending their time. And that's like phenomenal in a remote work environment. So well,
0: couldn't agree more in, in the book, the one thing he mentions being, um, effective not efficient like basically yeah. like are your people hitting their number uh who cares how they how they did it for the most part <laughs> so yeah. um
1: yeah yeah I, I love that book too i literally ask myself that question every single day before i start working so, <laughs> so do i yeah.
0: Yeah. when i time block it's that it's at least let me get my most important thing done this morning or whatever and then i can deal with the other stuff later but uh um, right. yeah I, I i take the same approach been really effective what else have you learned in growing the agency? A lot of agencies struggle with acquiring clients and churn. Like, How, how have you dealt with those? Yeah. So the big
1: mental breakthrough I had about uh, acquiring clients and churn is basically analyze agency that did poorly. And I talked to a lot of different agency owners and asked them, what are your biggest problems? And- you know, the constant thing I heard was this concept of porpoising, which is like a dolphin, right? And in porpoising, is you go up and down, you go up and down. It's basically you get a new client, hire a bunch of staff, lose a big client, fire a bunch of staff. Mm-hmm. And the agent just goes up and down, and up yeah. and down. And so, you know, generally I was, the breakthrough I had was uh, reading about a lot of systems theory. Mm-hmm. And I realized that a client acquisition process and really a client retention process. is just a system, right? And they're kind Mm -hmm. of two ongoing systems that you have to manage and you have to manage them forever. Like they're evergreen and you have to consistently maintain both of those systems. So the idea is not, you know, I need new sales. I have a deficit. I need to go find a bunch of new clients, but it's instead like, how do I manage a sales pipeline consistently day in and day out? Mm -hmm. So I generally have a flow of work coming in and then on the retention side is how do I monitor our client uh, or relationship with clients on a consistent basis? And what things are we doing to maintain that relationship and build trust over a long period of time? So when, when I have those two kind of concepts, then it's what are the you know, daily, weekly uh, processes or, or you know, uh, tasks that we can be doing to maintain those processes? And then you know kind of going back to what we're talking about with job scorecards, it's what's the outcome we ultimately need? And then what's the number to measure that? And then how do these processes kind of support that number, right? And so the idea is just they're they're two evergreen systems that are consistently running, and it's just you're maintaining them. And you have to be very focused on how you maintain them on a daily and weekly basis, really.
0: Yeah, fantastic way of putting it with porpoising. I, I, the way I look at it is like a lot of companies are stuck in, they'll literally go a whole lifetime of volatility. Like good yeah. months and bad months like forever. And that just sounds like a good way to lose all my hair. Um, yeah. And so you're absolutely right. Like it, it, it's not that it's overnight, but how can you tweak your sales and marketing process to have a consistent stream of leads and then deals harder, easier said than done, but you have to have that for predictability in your agency. So you don't yeah. stress about payroll and all that stuff. And then after you get the client, then you also have the luxury of like, having new clients not to practice on, but to fail a couple of times at and, and learn from your mistakes and tweak yeah. that customer success process over time. Um, like we used to have a really long onboarding four weeks. Now it's one week. And like that took a long time, but only because we had so many clients coming in. So I like that you think of them as two separate processes and you're very intentional about it. I, I couldn't agree more.
1: Yeah. I like what you said about uh, learning from it too, because we did that. We, uh, we set up a cold outbound email program that actually generated a decent amount of clients. But frankly, for the type of service we provide and, and who we are as an agency, they were a little too small and they just didn't really fit the services. So we ended up churning, I, I, like I would say a decent amount last year. And it wasn't necessarily that we were getting fired, but we ultimately came to a conclusion with the client that we couldn't provide the best service for him. So we you know basically decided to, to part ways. But... On that, every single client where we had that situation happen, we, we ran what we call an after action report. And then we analyzed uh, really like five different components of that engagement. And, and and we asked ourselves, I think it's like six different questions, but it's like, what happened? What did we expect to happen? You know, uh, what can we expect going forward? And then we really p- took everything apart and then used that to go build out our onboarding process, used it to go build, build out our client qualifying process and then that really just built uh, our agency into a much stronger place than, you know, basically, you know, turning through clients and forgetting about everything and then starting with a new client and not really learning anything. I think you really do have to sit down and reflect and write all those things down, uh, ask yourself the hard questions and really focus on for the next engagement. Like what did we learn here and what can we apply to be better going forward? Yeah.
0: Well, uh, what were those six questions? Where, where'd you learn that from? So I think
1: I honestly just looked up like the, uh, like after action reports, because someone told me about this after, and it's a military. What do you
0: concept. say? After action reports?
1: After action.
0: Oh, after action reports. Got it.
1: Yeah. So it's like a, it's a military concept and, but they basically do this after an engagement, like let's say in the army, they'll go back and analyze what happened there and how to learn from it going forward. And then it was adopted by companies. I don't really know if I like the, uh, the name after action because yeah. we're not really, you know, stop <laughs> stakes aren't as high, but yeah, yeah. Um, we call it, I, I think we call it something different now. Maybe it's like reflection review or like critical reflection, but it's really, I think it's um, uh, what happened, what was supposed to happen, uh, you know, why is there a difference between, you know, the expectation and reality, uh, you know, what can we learn and take going forward? What can we mm-hmm. change for the next time? I think that's five. I can't remember the sixth one, but it's it's around, you know, those types of questions. So,
0: yeah. I think that's fantastic. It reminds me of a funny video where this person's like, entrepreneurs need to stop comparing themselves to like army <laughs> generals. Yeah. That that reminds me of that. But um yeah,
1: it, it's pretty funny. I mean, it's, all the lingo is just like we're I mean, we're sitting in front of MacBooks in a nice like I'm in a. Yeah, week. it's like we're not dealing with <laughs> the same stuff.
0: Yeah, you're sitting in our bedroom with, <laughs> with the heater on. Um, yeah. so. I have a question for you because sometimes like a deal doesn't close or a client churns and we ask them why and we sometimes we get a half-ass answer. So sometimes we can answer those six questions ourselves. Other times it's like, man, we don't really know the truth. How do you get to like the truth of those answers? Do you talk to the client? Is it obviously in the early days, it's you talking to every client, but um, yeah.
1: Yeah. So uh, in the situation we've had where we parted ways what I do is I tell them that we're going to send them the let's say critical review uh, yeah. I, I told I, I told them we're gonna send it and we do it and we take it as we try to be as objective as possible so we you know a way of saying that we take ownership of things but we also do outline things that maybe the you know client partner could have helped out with as well uh, but we write it all up and then we send it to them a week later uh, after the contract ends then with that you know sending it, I ask them, hey, can you hop on a call for 15, 20 minutes just to review this quickly? And uh, most of them have said yes. And then when I do that, what I I lead with our ownership of things. I'm like, we messed up here. We should have done this better. Uh, we should have foreseen like, you know, this event or whatever as part of our onboarding process. And I just try to own as much things as possible. And then on their end, oh, actually, before I go into that, uh, I ask them, you know, what they think about it. And then if they give me kind of a a non-answer, like, oh, yes, but it's not really your fault, like whatever. I'm like, well, what do you think specifically about this thing, right? And I kind of force them to really just, you know, answer a a very specific question. And typically that opens things up. And they're like, well, maybe if you say that, then, well, this could have been a little bit better, or this could have been better. And then I I get them to kind of, uh, you know, unload a little bit. And I try to just, you know, not give them any type of I would say like emotional reaction or try to stop them talking. I kind of just tried to prod them along. I'm like, okay, that's super interesting. Well, you know, why do you think you said that? And I just keep asking questions mm-hmm. that kind of, you know, unwrap further of what they're saying. Yeah. And then, you know, for things that, you know, they could have, I think, been a little bit better on, uh, I just try to present it all. Like basically it's our fault, but I try to get their opinion on it. I'm like, well, you know if things change like what would you think about this or whatever and and typically they do take some ownership and then they provide some insights as well being like hey we could have done this better and then i i try to like softly open that up too but yeah. the reality is is that i don't really care about who's at fault i care about what was the reality why did this not work and try to be as objective as possible in uncovering those problems so we can solve for them in the future
0: amazing super smart and i like that you take the time to to do that um, you specifically, rather than kind of farming it out. You know, in the calendar invite, you had mentioned that you sort of have a methodology for funnel optimization. Would love to hear hear a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah. So we really just try to break down, like what is the customer acquisition process look like in the most simple terms? So the first thing is that customer sees an ad and then they click on the ad and then they get to the landing page and then they make a purchase. And then after they made that purchase, uh, the company, theoretically, the client should be reaching out to them again for like subsequent purchases or engagements, right? And so what we try to do is identify uh, all the different uh, variables that go into each of those steps. So for an ad, uh, we break apart ads, like let's say for a video ad, for example, we look at um, what we call, we split up video ads into four sections. So we have the hook, we have the agitation point. Um, we have the benefit statement. We have the call to action. Within each of those, we're testing all those variables. So we're testing mm-hmm. different folks, testing different like benefit statements, call to actions, et cetera. Okay. And so that's like the first step. It's like basically the person seeing the ad and then we go into the click. And so the click is more like, well, honestly, it's kind of the same components, but more importantly, like what the call to action is and like the sense of urgency that you're providing as well as like different, I call them like persuasion tactics. And so it's like, are you giving them a sense of social proof or authority? whatever mm-hmm. is just going to drive that action more. Yeah. Uh, we try to insert that and test for those variables. Then once they hit the landing page, it's, you know, landing page speed, structure of the page. Uh, like what types of testimonials do you have on the page? And we really try to like have an established framework for all the different variables that we test there. We test all that. And then once they make that purchase, you know, we're also you know, want to go work with them on their email program or their text program to make sure that they're kind of maximizing the lifetime value of that, that customer. But in each of those things, we have a, like a set list of different variables. And then within each of those variables, we have a set list of things we know are most likely to make an impact. And then typically, you know, when we sit down and start engaging with the client, we bubble up what we think, uh, which variables and then specifically which uh, like options within those variables can make the highest impact and go test for those first. Uh, try to improve that metric as much as possible, whatever we're testing for. So it might be like click the rates or like landing page conversion rate. Mm-hmm. And then you keep going down the line to keep improving each of those metrics. And that is a very deterministic, like growth process. Like, mm. you know, most people talk about digital ads and performance ads specifically. And like, hey, it's like hit or miss, like you're throwing spaghetti against the wall. It's like kind of, but, also too, like you can solve for a lot of things and make it very consistent over a long period of time and have predictable growth. And and that's what we do. And that's why we've been successful.
0: Wow. That's actually easier said than done, right? So it sounds like you're, are you helping them tweak their landing page and going as far as to post-sell, like upsells and stuff? So you're, that's uh, so f- almost full funnel, really yeah. full funnel. The clients come to you, do they have funnels established and you're tweaking them or are you building them from scratch sometimes?
1: For the most part, they have them, somewhat established. And, and frankly, like most of our clients today and the ones we're working with, let's say the ones we're prospecting for, are pretty well established. So they're generally like mid-market, maybe a little bit lower, uh, like between lower and middle market. But generally, they have pretty established ways of doing things. They have funnels. They have pretty good landing pages. They've tested a decent amount of ads. They spent a decent amount of money. It's just, they've hit some type of plateau and then it's this more kind of like structured approach that we have, uh, where it's, it helps them kind of break through those plateaus and that's where we've gotten success. But yes, generally they've, they've already had a pretty good setup. It's just, we're making it better. So yeah,
0: okay, cool. So you, you get into their, they might use Shopify, they might use Unbounce, like you get into all these things. Yeah. 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 Nice. And you make the videos too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, um. And do you have full-time employees doing a lot of this work or you farm some out? Like what's the split?
1: Yeah. So we have uh, now it's 10 full-time employees and then seven contractors. And then of those seven contractors, we have, I think four are part-time. So 10 employees, three full-time contractors and four part-time contractors. Nice.
0: Nice. And do you have a system of, of that approach? Like in the beginning, I'm sure it's like defining all these variables. It sounds like you need someone pretty smart with conversions and marketing to do those things. You have a couple people up front who are really good at strategy. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, my director of ads, he, he you know, used to do performance ads for Dr. Squatch, known uh, wow. Dollar Shave Club. like, And he he worked at basically like three of the top performance ad agencies. I got super lucky in, in convincing him to come on board, but yeah, he's great super smart uh really driven uh and his impact once he came in uh, was immediate and significant so very happy to have him uh my director of operations she uh worked at a very large solar company i think she was managing like 20 million dollars of, of marketing budget uh she's very good um so they're kind of the leads and it will also to my creative director is also excellent she you know, Worked for an, an agency that did work for HBO, Disney, uh, TasteMade. So, yeah. you know, basically the the kind of top three like leaders at H uh, Street right now just have just massive, massive experience yeah. at really kind of the top of the game. Yeah. So it's been great for us because we've taken clients who um, previously have been working with pretty bad agencies, frankly, and people who just really didn't know what they're doing, and then we get to step in and then kind of take. Our collective experience and applied here, and it's made a huge impact. So, yeah, and I rely on those people a massive amount. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I imagine. I mean, this too, but it's there's only so much you can do yourself. And most mm. of the growth of is bringing those people in. So,
0: and in, in terms of technology, like, do you use a big project management tool or, or what?
1: Yeah, so most project management happens on Asana. Okay. And then most day to day communication happens on Slack. Uh, most, like creative well creative the creative team have their own set of tools and and frankly i don't know creative that well so i just kind of rely on them to kind of manage it but they uh yeah they have a couple different tools they have for like video storage and, and editing and things like that uh and then you know we have you know dropbox google drive for folders and things like that but generally the whole business is on asada and slack
0: nice amazing um do you have any other last tips you have for for anyone building a business or an agency before before we jump here
1: yeah, so I think the, the most important thing is think of it as a system. And, and a, like a, a, I would say a system and then supporting subsystems. And then within those supporting subsystems are like processes. And then every time you're, you're building a system or thinking about the business, you should just think, what is the outcome that this is supposed to produce? And then what, how do I measure that outcome? And then like what are the processes that get me to that number? Right. Mm -hmm. And then if you go, just think as simply as that, like it all becomes very clear to you and then you can kind of build things the correct way. But I think the big challenge, I personally experienced working at other agencies and then talking to other agency owners is they have kind of this vague notion. It's like, Oh, I have to do sales. I have to recruit people. I have to do, you know, you know, I had, I'm having trouble like managing people. It's like, well, what outcome do you want? Mm -hmm. And then they can't really explain it clearly. And then it's like, okay, well, and then it's like, how do you measure that? And it's really, really hard for people to just measure something and and pick yeah. a number. And so, yeah. uh, I think if you just simplify it to that and then work from there, uh, it it just it, for me it just made everything significantly clearer and like much easier to kind of operate on. So,
0: yeah. Well, the saying is like, what you measure get you know improves. It just gets better if if you yeah. measure it and care about it for long yeah. enough. Um, for sure. So, I love it. I think processes and systems are dramatically underrated (laughs) in in businesses they just they think it's all in their head or they already know what to do but they've never written it down and delegated it to someone and and they wonder why things are going wrong or someone forgot a step Um, well
1: yeah just on that it's like that's a crazy thing too is with delegating something or you know having someone else you know accomplish a task for you you have to tell them what the outcome needs to be yeah they don't that is, like if you go immediately and go to the steps and be like, hey, do X, Y, and Z, and then A, B, C, uh, they don't, they're going to be like, okay, I'm going to do the steps. But if you don't make that outcome very clear, it's like, this is what I want you to accomplish. It's going to be very hard for them to do it well.
0: Yeah. And 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 um, if you give them a the reason why, they actually are more motivated to do it <laughs> or else yeah. they're like, well, why is he having me do this? Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, who? yeah. So awesome stuff today how I really impressed by this interview and I know your agency will continue to grow and especially with the talent you have on board so so props to you to you guys
1: awesome awesome well appreciate it and thanks for having me
0: yeah of course.